Today we are celebrating one year of uh, Vision Next and God's provision and your faithfulness, your generosity. Um, thank you, LifePoint, for giving to the Lord this past year in, in generous, generous ways. Uh, today we're, we're talking about a 2020 vision. Next year is 2020. Can you believe that? And uh, God's, uh, God's one-fifth of this century is almost over. Does that make you feel kind of sick to your stomach? Wow, huh? It's amazing. But uh, God's going to do some things in the life of our church in the coming year, and uh, some big stuff, and we're pretty excited. If you're new here today, we're, we're so glad you're here. Welcome. Um, I want to let you know right up front that this is uh, this morning's kind of a family talk. If you've ever found yourself in the middle of a family talk that, in a family that wasn't your family, it can be awkward, you know, uh, I get that. Uh, you might feel like you should try to find a way to, to quietly leave. But we don't want you to do that this morning. In fact, um, what I think is that on a day like today, uh, a guest will learn far more about who we are as a church than maybe on any, give, any other Sunday. So uh, we're glad you're here. And if you're looking for a home church, we'd love to be it for you. Uh, we're going to be talking about our mission and our vision and our future as a church. I know, it's traumatic. It's, you can hear that already back there. Um, so as mentioned, we're, we're, we're going to do a couple things today that, uh, again, if you're new here, I just want to let you know about in advance. I mentioned Vision Next. Uh, for the past year, we've been engaged in a capital funds campaign uh, called Vision Next. This campaign has as its central goal to raise sufficient funds to do one of two things, either to purchase land on which to build or to purchase a building that we can renovate as a permanent home, uh, home base for our mission as a church in this community. And today's the one-year anniversary of the launch of that campaign. We're celebrating God's faithfulness, His provision over the past year. And now we're looking forward to the coming year and uh, where we will be a year from now. Um, again, if you're our guest today and LifePoint is not your church or not yet your church, please just sit back and listen. We don't expect you to do anything. We don't ever ask our guests to give to the offering. Uh, we're not asking you to do anything about Vision Next today. Uh, on top of that, because this message is not really for you, uh, it's kind of like a conviction-free Sunday, right? <laughs> so, so that's a good deal. Uh, the second thing, as we've already mentioned, we're, we're eating lunch together following the second service. And, and again, if you're a guest, you're invited to participate in that. Um, all of you are invited to participate in that. And we hope that you'll stay. It's always fun just to hang out together and get to know each other better. There's plenty of food, so hang out. So this morning, um, as we celebrate our first year of Vision Next I, and, and look forward to this coming year, I, I want to talk to you this morning about our, our mission and our vision uh, as a church. And so let's talk about, first of all, our mission. Um, and let me begin with a couple definitions. First of all, mission is why we exist. Mission is why we exist. Our, our mission was, by the way, there's sermon notes for them in your in your program this morning. Our mission was defined by Jesus. Um, the mission that Jesus gave through his disciples to the church is very clear. It hasn't changed in over 2,000 years. 
the mission of the church of Jesus Christ in the world will remain the same until the end of this age because Jesus said it, it will. Uh, vision is about what we are doing in pursuit of the fulfillment of our vision in our time and in our place. What we are doing in pursuit of the fulfillment of our mission in our time and in our place. We'll talk more about that in just a few minutes. Mission is timeless. Vision is temporal. And although the mission will will always remain the same so that we don't have to worry about it, speculate about it, customize it in any way, vision will change. Uh, In fact, we might say it it will always be changing. It's accurate to say that vision must change. It has to change from time to time because things like people and culture and circumstances are always changing. In fact, one could say that because the mission stays the same, we must always be changing. And that doesn't mean that our vision should be so blurry that uh, no one really understands it, uh, or so variable that it gives us whiplash, you know. But it it does mean that, that we need always to allow the Holy Spirit the freedom to change to clarify, to sharpen our vision according to his purposes. Uh, Ministry in 2019 or 2020 shouldn't look like ministry did in 1970 or 1980 or 1990. A lot of churches are like museums to ministry in the 70s because it was so cool back then. It was, (laughs) ministry was groovy back then. Amen. Amen, I got an Amen. (laughs) ministry in the year 2030 will look substantially different than than it does today. It has to. Our message and our mission will stay the same, but our vision will evolve and adapt to changing culture. Uh, We've been in a series on Romans for a while now, and We've been talking there about our message, which is the good news of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. And in Matthew twenty-eight eighteen to 20, in what we refer to as the Great Commission, Jesus laid down the mission of the church very clearly. John MacArthur says that Matthew twenty-eight eighteen to 20 is the climax and the focal point, not only of the gospel, but also of the entire New Testament. So Matthew 28, 18 to 20, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus said. Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Our mission is founded upon the universal authority of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, all authority, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now there's a reason that Jesus began with this statement. It wasn't just a 
momentary, impulsive exclamation like, I just won the lottery, or I just saved a lot of money by switching to Geico. Jesus is revealing to his disciples something of cosmic significance. And it wasn't that prior to his resurrection from the dead that he was less than God. That's not what he's saying here. Nor should we think that prior to his resurrection that he didn't possess and exercise divine authority. We know that's not true. Because Jesus, in his ministry, repeatedly demonstrated authority over demons, uh, over the natural elements, over natural laws, over sin, and sickness, and death. So it's proper to ask whether Jesus, by declaring that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him, is simply reminding his disciples of something that's always been true, or that he's announcing something that is new. And I think the answer is both. His authority as the Son of God is eternal. It's absolute. But as Paul put it, now having humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, whether in heaven or on earth or under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So in a way that we probably can't even begin to understand this side of heaven, because of his obedience, because of his humility in accepting a sacrificial death, Christ's post-resurrection authority, is somehow enlarged because God has enlarged it to include all of heaven and earth. God the Son, Jesus Christ, is invested with universal authority. And it's important that we understand that because the authority by which we proclaim the good news of the gospel is not our authority. It is precisely the authority of the one whose story it tells. On the basis of that universal authority given to him by God the Father, Jesus issued one command to his disciples, which comes down to us through them, make disciples. You might say, well, it looks to me like there are four commands there. (laughs) Go, make disciples, baptize and teach. And yes, it might look like that. It might look like four commands at first reading. But there is, in fact, only one central command, make disciples. Everything else there is a means to, to that end. Well, what's a disciple? A disciple is a follower. A disciple is a learner. And Jesus' very first commands at the beginning of his public ministry to those that he was calling to follow him were, were, were those words, follow me. A disciple is a follower. So the first thing we learn about a disciple then is that he or she is someone who has begun the journey of following Jesus. They might be right at the starting line or they might be just not very far out of the starting blocks. Maybe they're nearing the finish line or any point in between, but they are on a journey taking steps toward Jesus. 
That's a very simple definition, and I like it a lot. And some of you aren't content with that definition, and right now you're thinking, well, what about maturity? (laughs) Some people want to measure maturity based on means. Engagement in spiritual disciplines like Bible study and scripture memorization or serving in the church or sharing their faith or praying any number of spiritual disciplines. And those are all good things, but they are means to maturity, not the essence of maturity. And I've lived long enough and been part of churches long enough to know that there are a lot of people who may engage in those kinds of activities and still be fat little babies in terms of their spiritual maturity. Church involvement does not guarantee growth. And let me suggest a functional definition of maturity. It's not going to appear on your screen because I wrote it after I finished the presentation. But try this on for size. A maturing disciple is one who has moved from being the recipient of the church's mission to being responsible for it. Let me repeat that. A maturing disciple is one who has moved from being the recipient of the church's mission to being responsible for it. Uh, Because a man or woman is maturing in Christ, they possess not only the desire, a growing desire, to assume responsibility for fulfilling the mission, but also the genuine capacity to do so. And maybe that's a bit of a challenge for some of us to grow up. Because we look at the church and we think of the church as a a dispenser of services to us. But we're on mission. And we need more and more men and women, and indeed boys and girls, who will put their shoulder into the mission. We can go the next step then and ask the question, what's a disciple maker? And again, try on this definition for size. A disciple maker is a follower of Jesus who is intentionally helping someone else to find and follow Jesus. And again, I like the definition because it's one we can all participate in fulfilling You don't have to be a super Christian to be a disciple maker. You just have to be intentionally engaged in the mission at some level. If you lead someone through a 10-week Bible study on how to grow spiritually, some people call that discipleship. And I would say that's one expression of discipleship, but it's still only 10 weeks out of a lifetime. It's not the fullness of discipleship. And and here's what I believe. That it takes the intentional investment of the whole church. Every gift that God has given to the church needs to be brought to bear in the making of one disciple. I don't want to use that old phrase, it takes a village, but okay, there it is. If that's a helpful paradigm. It takes the whole church to make disciples. And people that think of discipleship only as a one-on-one process do not understand the fullness of the ministry of the church. 
And that's why we all need, need to be present. We all need to be engaged when the church gathers. We all need to be present and engaged in the ministry of the church because others are depending on our investment and our engagement and our intentionality. Well, what about those other words like go and baptizing and teaching? Isn't go a command? Nope, it's not here. It's actually an adverbial phrase. You feel like you're back in English class again. The phrase is literally, in the original language, as you were going. The going is assumed. It's Jesus knew that they would go. When Jesus said in Acts 1.8, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth, he wasn't asking or sending. He was just saying, here's what's going to happen to you. Because you're going to go. And there will be circumstances brought to bear in your life that, uh, that, that will result in you going places you never ever thought you'd travel. Oh, the places you will go. So is that like uh, going to Guatemala or Japan or Central Asia? Yeah, it includes that. But the sense of it is, as you are going anywhere, make disciples. As you are going about your daily lives, make disciples. As you are going points to a lifestyle of helping those in your daily traffic pattern to find and follow Jesus. That phrase, all the nations, literally means every people group on the face of the earth. The word Jesus used there is that word from which we get our word ethnic or ethnicity. And he literally said, make disciples of every ethnic group. Every culture, every race, every tribe, every language, every color of skin, everybody. Make disciples. People in Lacey and Olympia and Tumwater, and DuPont, and Rainier, and Yelm, yes, even people in Tonino, <laughs> Bucota, and Rochester. Baptizing them means helping them to go public with their faith. I've had people ask me, why don't you give more altar calls at LifePoint? And, and we could do that. I... I, I, try to, I try to include in every message the gospel every Sunday so that we understand it in all the ways the Bible speaks of it, in its fullness. And I encourage you, if you have not yet put your trust in Christ, to do so. But walking the aisle is not a biblically prescribed form. The biblical prescription for going public is baptism, and it's by way of command. When you're baptized, you are publicly saying to others, I'm radically identifying myself with Jesus Christ, and I don't care who knows. That little kid one time asked me, why can't I baptize myself like at home in the bathtub? And I said, well, that would fit the word baptize in this generic form, but... But that's not what baptism is. It's always public. It's always public. 
some of you haven't been baptized since you personally transferred your trust to Jesus Christ. And an unbaptized Christ follower is a contradiction in terms. It's a command from Jesus. Disciples are to be baptized. In baptism, you radically identify yourself with Jesus. You radically identify yourself with his church, his people. Um, And if you haven't been baptized since you believed in Jesus, um, we'd love to participate in that with you. So go ahead and pull out your Connect card right now from your program and fill it out and drop it in the offering box and somebody will contact you because we'd like to be a part of that moment in your life. Teaching them means providing information that leads to application. Jesus said teaching them to what? What did he say? Teaching them to what? You guys are really indecisive or you can't read. Obey. Obey. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. How, How do most churches functionally complete that phrase? Teaching them to what? To tithe. Amen. (laughs) Teaching them to know. Isn't that the way we usually fill that? Teaching them to know everything I have commanded you. And we've gotten it wrong, at least in part. Discipleship is not merely training in biblical knowledge. Although that's one of the essential foundations for spiritual growth. But for any of us, filling our heads with more and more information that doesn't result in obedient application is spiritually dangerous. It leads to pride. It leads to legalism. It can lead to Phariseeism. James, the brother of Jesus, warned that information without application will lead to self-deception. When he said, be doers of the word and not hearers only. So the teaching that leads to actual spiritual growth and not just biblical knowledge focuses on application. Well, that's our mission. Let's talk about our vision. Here's how we've stated our vision thus far here at LifePoint. The vision of LifePoint Church is to multiply Christ followers, leaders, small groups, and churches throughout the South Sound region and beyond. We want to multiply Christ followers. So each of us needs to be about the mission of helping people to find Jesus and to follow him. We want to multiply leaders, So we need to be identifying people in our church, young and old, who are gifted for leadership and call them to invest those gifts. We want to multiply small groups so that everyone whom God calls to LifePoint has a place to connect and to grow and to serve. We need to keep adding groups so that God can keep adding people. You know, you think about a small group like a Lego block. There's only a certain number of little nubs on those Lego blocks to attach things to, right? And sometimes when, those, when our Lego block is full, we need to get a new Lego block. 
And that's what adding small groups will do. And that means you don't just combine your group with another group for convenience. It means that you don't keep inviting people to what is obviously no longer a small group. You push the leaders who are developing in your group out of the nest in order to go start new groups. We want to multiply churches that will hold to the authority of Scripture and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ because the gospel is still true. Hell is still hot. And eternity is forever. As church attendance in the Pacific Northwest and across the U.S. decreases, and I think most of us have read those kinds of statistics, churches are closing their doors at an unprecedented rate. Some of the stats you hear are exaggerated way beyond reason. But the fact is that church attendance is decreasing. Uh, Warm hearts are cooling. And a lot of churches are closing their doors. Churches are being planted, but the last statistic I read said that only about a quarter of the number that are needed to keep pace with the combined effects of population growth and church closures are being planted. And we want to be a part of turning that around. Well, what's next? Uh, Where are we going from here? A couple of months ago, I came to you and I announced that we had identified a four-acre parcel of land on Intelco Loop near the intersection of College Street and Yelm Highway. It seemed perfect. Uh, It fit perfectly with our perception of the future that we believed God had in mind for us in that neighborhood. The price was right. We made an offer. It was accepted. Woohoo! Because of your generous giving to Vision Next, we have in hand over half of the purchase price of $410,000 for that property. By next year at this time, we could, with your God's provision and your generosity, potentially have the land paid off. And we put down earnest money. We began to pursue the feasibility of future construction on that site. And we prayed. And one of the things we prayed was for God's clear leading regarding that property. We prayed that if God had something different in mind for us, that he would stop us and redirect us. Not long before the date when we would reach a point of no return with regard to the $10,000 earnest money we had put down, a friend who's a brother in Christ, he's a pastor in this area, who does commercial real estate on the side, sent me a listing for a church property that was new on the market in Northeast Olympia. Eight acres, 16,000 total square feet. And here's what I thought. I thought, well, that's curious. Kind of a strange coincidence. But not for us, I thought. But for some reason that I still don't understand, I found myself forwarding the listing to the other pastors and elders. 
I thought they'd be amused. (laughs) And to my surprise and frankly my consternation, most of them wanted to go see it right away. So over a period of just a few days, we visited the property actually several times and we toured and we prayed. And here's just a part of what we saw. What you just saw is the the current home of South Sound Community Church, another church in our area. It has a very nicely appointed, move-in ready worship center. A foyer that is designed as a coffee shop Offices, classrooms, portables, lots of outdoor space. It's old. It's somewhat shabby on the outside especially. It suffers from neglect in a lot of areas. It needs a new roof, new siding, walls need to be rearranged, restrooms need to be remodeled, portables need to be demolished and rebuilt. The exterior of absolutely everything needs a facelift. But hadn't we said along the way on several occasions that our preference was to purchase a building that we could renovate for our purposes? And isn't that what this is? There was a a time element involved. And last Sunday afternoon, after hearing from many, many of you, uh, your thoughts about moving, we elders made the decision to make a full price offer. And I'm happy to announce that our offer was accepted. Uh, We have, uh, yeah. You don't know how much good that just did me. Uh, we've withdrawn from the Intelco Loop contract. We've put down earnest money on the current campus of South Sound Community Church. Uh, inspections and appraisals will be completed within the next week or so. And again, we are praying. Will you pray with us? Lord, show us whether this is the right direction. And if we're making an unwise decision, please stop us and redirect us. I want you to know that we as pastors and elders have not taken any of these decisions lightly or in a cavalier way. Uh, My wife and our staff will be my witnesses that I have personally struggled in prayer over this process, especially this decision. And honestly, processing these decisions in this particular week, while at the same time grieving the death of my mother just over a week ago, Uh, has produced a weight that at times has has felt too much to bear. For me, this has been one of the hardest weeks in memory. I know, because I know the leadership of this church, that others have been immersed in prayer and careful thought, seeking the Lord's will. So why do we think that this might very well be God's choice for us? And why the change in direction. When you shake it all out, it came down to a difference in cost and the period of time to occupancy. The purchase price on Intelco Loop was a low $410,000, ridiculously low for four acres in that location, what seemed like a perfect location. 
But the further we got into it, we realized that total cost of testing and permitting and land development and ultimate construction would have been in the ballpark of four to five million dollars. Uh, we wouldn't move in for another four or five years. Uh, that would involve multiple capital campaigns extending probably well over a decade. The purchase price on the South Sound Community Church property is a low $1.2 million for buildings and land. With initial and ongoing improvements, we may over time spend upwards of $2 million And we can potentially occupy the site by late summer or early fall of this year. Because of your generous giving division next over the past year, we are very close to being in a position to make a strong down payment that will result in our monthly mortgage payments being approximately equal to what we're already spending each month in rent for Timberline High School and our current office. By the way, our treasurer, Dave Block, informed me that, that uh, to date, the Vision Next Fund has received $215,578. Thank you for your faithfulness. At the end, after four to five years and $45 million, we would have four acres on Intelco Loop. By contrast, in approximately six months, we can occupy eight very diverse acres on the South Sound Church property. Uh, Greg Volkart, who is our um, church chairman, informed me today that we really need to have in hand about $260,000 by mid-June for the cost of the down payment and uh, inspections and appraisals and other things that will be other costs that we will incur. Uh, So, yeah, will there be additional costs to improve and maintain the buildings? Yes, there will be. And that's why our ongoing sacrificial giving to Vision Next uh, is so important over these next two years. So what if inspection of South Sound Community Church turns up a stopper? I mean, what if we run into something in the inspection process and we just go... Wow, we didn't see that. What would we do? Well, we would either renegotiate the purchase price or if the, the fix for whatever problem we would identify is, is too great, we might withdraw from the purchase agreement entirely. Um, so we're not going to be unwise about these things. Another question that, that several of you have asked, and I've asked it myself, struggled with it, what about Lacey? Uh, Isn't this an abandonment of our original vision? And that is a very good and very appropriate question. There's probably nothing that I've struggled with more this week than that. Uh, We've spent 11 years now loving on Lacey. Uh, We've spent 11 years investing here. And we love Lacey. Uh, I expected to build a a church building in Lacey. I thought LivePoint would be a Lacey church for years to come. But as I've wrestled with the question, one of the things I've done is gone back to the beginning. 
and what we were thinking about 10, 11 years ago. We sensed God's leadership to Lacey. But when we incorporated, the legal name we chose to put on record with the Secretary of State was Life Point Church of Olympia. That's our legal name. Why Olympia? Well, because at the time we didn't know where we might end up. Uh, we didn't even know if we'd survive as a church. You know, we started out with about 35 people. The name Olympia is representative of the entire region, so we thought, well, there it is. As I mentioned, I, I haven't slept a lot in the past week and a half. Uh, my wife told me yesterday I looked terrible. Just a few... Sorry. She was concerned I'd come up here looking really bad. But it is what it is. I can't really do anything with it. Just a few nights ago, I woke up in, just in the middle of the night out of a dead sleep, on my back, looking at the ceiling, wide awake. And it was as if this statement was kind of hovering over me. It wasn't like God wrote with a finger on the wall or anything like that. But here's, here's the statement. There is nothing you are currently doing in Lacey that you cannot continue to do from Olympia. There's nothing you are currently doing in Lacey that you cannot continue to do from Olympia. So among other things, we will continue to be a mainstay for the backpack program here at Timberline uh, and the district. We'll continue to do the food drives we've done, clothing drives, school supply drives, and all of that. We, Wendy pointed out the other day that this site is actually geographically closer to the North Thurston School District McKinney-Vento Family Resource Center, where all of this is housed for the district, where Deanna East has her office. Uh, many of you, most of you, live in Lacey. It only makes sense that we will continue to creatively serve Lacey while also opening our arms to Olympia. Someone has asked, would we plant a church back in Lacey? And the answer is yes. Now, we hope that it won't be long before we're in a rhythm of planting churches on a regular basis. How does the South Sound Community Church property help us fulfill our mission and vision. Well, first of all, notice that it isn't a change in vision, it's just a change in geography. And it occurred to me that if you can't see a vision for ministry from Northeast Olympia, you probably don't actually see a vision for ministry from Lacey either. Because vision is something the Spirit creates within us as we apply uh, our godly imagination uh, to wherever God would call us. Well, here's what I've observed, and it's just part of the whole overall picture. It's enough for me right now. The neighborhood is full of people who don't know Jesus. Our county is full of people. Our country is full of people that don't know Jesus. This property gives us a base of operations that, Lord willing, will be ours 24-7, 365, to help people in this area find and follow Jesus. And when I say base of operations, I, I mean that. I want you to understand that, that um, the whole thing isn't about having a building. The whole thing is about having a mission. 
whole thing is about having a ministry in this community. And this provides us a base of operations for a mission, a ministry in this area. The nature of the property itself represents a diversity of opportunities for creative ministry. And, uh, man, I, I go over there and I, my mind just starts ka Not like a cash register. Well, in part that. But, but just opportunity, opportunity, opportunity. This would provide us with the center for leadership development. That part of our vision statement that says we want to multiply leaders. There, there are a lot of things that are very difficult to do when you're a portable church. This will allow us those kinds of facilities to become a center for leadership development. It provides facilities for training church planters and for forming and launching new church plants. I mean, we were a, we were a pioneer plant. We, we didn't have a mother church. Um, so we started out with not much, you know, a vision, faith, a little bit of money. Not much, but a little. And we started but how cool would it have been if we'd had a mother church? How cool would it have been if we'd had a facility in which to form our church and offices for the pastors and a, and a place that becomes a jumping off point for, to, to launch into a, a new church plant? We can be that kind of church and that kind of facility. This large neighborhood, we, we were out there on one day just after school got out, and there are kids everywhere, elementary school age kids, teenagers, Um, Lots and lots of kids. This property is just crazy awesome for children's ministry, youth ministry, lots of different kinds of ministries. Um, So exciting, exciting. If after the inspection and the appraisal, we feel the freedom to move forward, there are going to be a whole bunch of opportunities for hands-on involvement at a variety of levels beginning in the not-too-distant future. Uh, I think we ought to do prayer walks throughout this neighborhood. In fact, I'd like to see us do 100, 200 prayer walks within the next several months. Uh, Small groupings of people just walking and praying. This area is right on the, the urban growth boundary line, and in fact, the The church facility is actually county land at that point. But it's rural and it's suburban. And as you saw on the screen, there there are lots of little new neighborhoods springing up all over out there. And the one you saw is actually a huge one, Mill Pond. It's massive. Not like Horizon Point quite, but large. And our realtor tells us that growth is coming that direction uh, as land is just uh, at a premium in this area. So prayer walks, door-to-door surveys. We want to get to know the neighbors and have them get to know us. Um, there's gonna, a demo day coming. Um, you know? <laughs> and um, Casey. So first hour I said, guys... Good day, demo day coming. She came and said, why just guys? You know? So there, there are going to be some days when you can bring your sawzall and your crowbar and your hammer and your sledgehammer 
and we can rip and shred to our heart's content. There's going to be demolition. There's going to be construction. There's going to be remodeling, painting, planting, trail construction in the woods, uh, building benches in the woods, building footbridges over the creek, and more. So keep praying and stay tuned. So that's all I got to say this morning, but I hope you're excited. Yeah? Okay. Here's what I know. Some of you aren't. There are a few of you are sitting there going, I don't like this at all. Would you please come and talk to us? Please, let us know what's on your heart and what's on your mind. So here's the deal. We're asking you today to update your commitment to Vision Next. If your commitment is going to stay the same, that's fine, but go ahead and fill out the form, would you? And just say it's going to stay the same. If life has happened in a negative way to you this year and you need to lower your commitment, let us know that too. Some of you, God has prospered you in this past year and you're able to give more. Um, But fill out that form. We're not going to ask you to bring it forward this year like we did a year ago, but there's a box at the back uh, at the table that's marked Vision Next. Just drop that into the box If you didn't come prepared to do that today, you can do it online at mylpclacy.com. Click the Vision Next uh, tab, and it'll take you to a place where you can do that. Four things this morning I would ask of you. Give or pledge prayerfully. Pledge prayerfully. Ask God what he would have you give. We're not telling you what that figure is. We're not prescribing leveraging, coercing, anything. You ask God what he would have you give over and above your regular giving. Secondly, pledge obediently. When God speaks, give what God tells you to give. Third, pledge enthusiastically. God loves a cheerful giver. You know that word enthusiastic comes from two root words, entheos, means to be in God. To be enthusiastic is to be in God. So pledge enthusiastically. God loves a cheerful giver, not a grouchy, grinchy one. And fourth, would you give sacrificially? Give sacrificially. Sacrifice is giving up something you love for something you love more. And for all of us, when we're giving over and above our regular giving, sacrifice will usually be a part of that. Giving, something, giving up something you love for something you love more. I want you to know this morning that I love you. It is a privilege to be your pastor. I had someone say to me just recently, um, there's something special about LifePoint. There's just something different about it, something refreshing. And I hope that's always true. And I don't think that's just because of me because I look terrible today. I think it's because God's doing something unique in this little congregation and uh, and something that's going to bear a lot of fruit, has already borne fruit, will continue to bear fruit. It's going to bear even more fruit in the months and the years to come. So let's follow him, shall we, into the future that he has for us. Let's pray together. Father, we are in your hands this 
thing called Life Point Church has always been your gig. You called us to it. It's yours. And we don't want to tell you how to do it. We want to hear from you how to do it. And then to be obedient and faithful in that. So Lord, we know that's a corporate thing as a whole church. We also know it's an individual thing because the church is made up of people, individuals. And so Lord, would you speak to each of us as to how you would have us participate on a financial level in seeing these things come to fruition. Lord, I pray specifically that we would have by June that $260,000. Lord, that's that's small, small change for you. Seems large for us, small change for you. And so, Lord, would you provide that so that we will be in a position to move forward if this is the direction you would have us go. Help us, Lord, to be found faithful in this time and in this place. For the sake of our community, for the sake of our children and grandchildren and generations to come, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.